was up for music. Drop Cadillacs, cops, deuces, rock grams, rap prostitutes. Welcome back to another episode of Bed Talks. Um, we have a guest that you may recognize. It's been a minute since he's been here. Um, but when he was here, he made quite an impression, and uh, so I had to, I had to bring him back. I had to bring him back. So repeat, what, repeat. So <laughs> welcome back to the show, Antoine Jackson. Yo, what's up, everybody? Hey, I don't even know how to introduce you because there's like so many things that you do. So I'm gonna try to do my best. And then you add on, and I, I really should. I know how to introduce. Okay, I'm gonna let Kay do this. One. Jack of all <laughs> trades, master of all trades. How about that uh, one? Yes, 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 yes. I'm giving it up. I'm giving it up for myself. Okay, just take it to Kay to make it simple. <laughs> so, look, Antoine Jackson, we do not want to underrepresent you because you are you are doing some amazing things out here. Um, you are a pastor. Um, you are a leader in your community. Uh, you evangelize not just in your area, but you're doing lots of travel and talking to t- people about different topics. I think the thing that I've appreciated about you the most, you're also an author, um, but what I've appreciated about you the most is just your candor and honesty in being a pastor and kind of really bringing it home to everybody. Like no one is uh, uh, is can be protected. <laughs> You're equal. Nobody's safe. No, no, one's no safe. Nobody's safe. No one's safe. Nobody's safe. You, but, but I really think it's also about the delivery, how you deliver, you know, whether it's in correction, you know, whether it's in encouragement or whether it's just in a level of true understanding. I think a lot of times it's the delivery that draws the people to hear and, and to comprehend and then act. So, yes, Elizabeth is so correct. Yeah. So what have you been up to since the last time? Man, I've been everywhere, all around the world, same song. (laughs) But literally, I've just been, you know, everywhere speaking and just loving life and loving helping people. It has just been an incredible ride. I don't remember the last time we talked, how long ago it was, but I sometimes forget everywhere I've been. Wow. That means you've been really, really traveling. Touching a lot of bases, touching a lot of bases, uh, you know. But before we get started, let me start off with a good morning. Elizabeth took my greetings, ladies and gentlemen. She's been taking my greetings for the past year, and I've let her. I want to claim it back. So, you know, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night to all you podcast listeners out there. Um, We're going to get ready to hit you hard and hit you with some substance, um, some necessary substance. Uh, as we have uh, now, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I prefer to call you Pastor AJ, but you tell me if I need to call you something else. That's fine. Okay, <laughs> that works for you. That works for me. Okay, man. All right. All right. So, like, what is going on out here? Like, you've been traveling, doing a lot of speaking. You know, what are some of the topics that you're hearing about people? You know, we talk a lot about relationships. I mean, what do you feel is one of the challenges right now? We've come through the pandemic. COVID just won't let go, but that's a whole nother show. Um, and, and, and the pandemic has definitely affected people in different ways in their relationships in a lot of ways. And as a pastor, I know, I, I'm, I'm sure, because my dad also was, uh, you know, someone who was very respected in the church, that people are coming to you, talking to you um, about certain things. So what's the theme that you're seeing as playing out? Well, I think that everybody right now is just trying to figure out, like, their sure footing, hmm. like what to do how do we structure our lives for the future are things going back to the way that it was and that i'm hearing that across all kind of genres like church relationship leadership everybody's having to redefine 
and reimagine how we will do life going forward. Uh, it's just not anybody, for anybody to say they know exactly what they're doing after this, they're not inquisitive enough for me. Hmm. Uh, because you can't, we can't go back to what we were doing. The world has changed on us. Now, do you think that that's a, you know, let's be real. Do you think that's a bad thing? Because we, we, we know that there are times where we are pressed. We are pushed um, to morph into something greater, into something better, whether relationally, whether just in this thing we all call life um, for various reasons. Because you just said something, you know, if, if you have not seen a, a reason to redefine yourself, um, then I'm curious as to what you're doing. So expound on that a little bit. Well, I think this is a good thing. People usually change when there is traumatic, traumatic situations that happen. Trauma does force people to have to face change. But I think we should be honest about the fact that with change comes grief first. And so what I'm finding is people aren't as excited, if that makes sense. But it just seems as if people are more just, I'm trying to figure this out. I feel like people are grieving the past. And we do have to think about how many people have lost people. Correct. You know, yeah. during the pandemic and how difficult it was for a lot of people. We just had major floods here in St. Louis a couple of weeks ago. And mm. it seems like there's compounding things that people are experiencing as well that are, that's not making them feel like this is good for them. Mm. So like when people, yeah. I was just going to say, so when people are going through these compounded things, because there are times where when you have you know, lost loved ones, or you're going through maybe a job loss, or you're challenged with like raising your children, maybe you're going through difficulty there. And it just feels like the world is just closing down on you. I mean, what are ways that you help people to kind of like weather those storms? Well, there's this old adage that says Rome wasn't built in a day, <laughs> right? And learning how to take a piece of every day for personal development. That's one of the first things I go to that Everybody has 24 hours in a day. But do you take a piece of every day for personal development, self-discovery, and to create a world, an alternative world of peace before your actual real world emulates what you're working on? Mm. Incremental. It, it, yes. It's just, you know, those incremental steps. Um, yes. And, you know, in lieu of everything that's going on, um, you know, there's an old, uh, old saying I, I used to hear. And the saying was the it's pressure that burst and produces the hero. It's the pressure of things that will burst and produce one's true character. But what I hear you saying and what I do also believe to be true, everything that we do is incrementally or progressive. So if, if you're focusing on yourself daily incrementally okay then it's a matter of time before you are ready to face whatever that next challenge or assignment is is that what i'm hearing yes sir and also this trying to inspire people that they get the ability to participate in their life instead of being reactionary because a lot of people believe that life is about how they respond i'm trying to teach people that they actually can participate in the plan for their life I'm not being preachy, I promise. But what no, the Bible says, you know, man makes his plans, but the Lord orders, orders his steps, steps to that plan. Mm -hmm. That's right. So there, there has to be a plan for mm -hmm. God to order your steps. Mm -hmm. And most people just don't have a plan. Mm -hmm. Their life could change with a plan. Wow. 
but they're in, in mystical land just waiting for something to happen for them. And and I'm just telling them that's that's not really spiritual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's not really spiritual to just sit around waiting for something to happen for the stars to align. You you get to participate. Yeah, I like that. I mean, the scripture I always think about is faith without works is dead mm-hmm. because people talk about the faith component, but sometimes they don't talk about the work component. And it really is the faith in the work. And I think we're, we're saying something very similar. You're saying it's the plan so that God can help create the order because you're doing certain things. Oftentimes that you're like, why is it going in this direction? At least you kind of have a framework of where you're going. And I like that you just said, you know, before, just take a piece of each day day. for self-discovery. So like, Mm -hmm. I think the thing that people get really frustrated with, I know I'm impatient and I've been working on it. I'm really working on it. And Kay knows I'm working on it. I'm getting better though. I'm I'm, I'm getting better. Um, Because there are things in life that force you to be patient, Mm -hmm. right? But I think that sometimes when people don't see things happening right away or they think that this self-discovery, this self-improvement is all at once, and really is it. It's really a continual process, which is why I like that you said take a piece of every day because you're building it, like Kay said, too, incrementally, you know, continually. And, and I'm, you know, I, I, wanted, I want to ask you a question because in light of everything that we're discussing with the changes, um, even before COVID, um, people have always had to endure, uh, you know, life-changing events. Um, but, I, I'm, you know, this is kind of a personal question, not only, for, you know, for our audience, but for myself as well. There is a, a time where you do have, I believe, you, you have to walk alone, whether in the natural or whether in the spiritual. My question to you is, first of all, have you ever had to walk alone, be it in the natural or be it in the spiritual? And if so, how were you able to, you know, walk through the process, okay, of that aloneness, that solitude, whatever it may have been, be it God needed to get you away from everything or you needed to get away from everything to focus on those incremental steps, you know, in you. Because I know you deal with a lot of people who bombard you with questions, with, with, with messages of hope. And that's a lot of pressure, man. But, you know, when you're going through those things, it's easy to give an account, give, give an answer, you know, uh, based on your testimony. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I believe in rest. Okay, so when I, when I think about the term solitude, I think it comes back to rest for me. Uh, because it's not necessarily an isolation more than it is an insulation. Hmm. It is to reinforce and make sure that I reestablish what is valuable about me and my time and ensure that I'm not giving all of myself away to other people without giving the best of myself to myself. And we have to do that. So I literally have one day a week where I completely go off the map and that's just my day of rest. And Part of what I saw with God was when he established the Sabbath. Obviously, the Sabbath day wasn't him going to church. (laughs) The Sabbath day was the day that he looked back over the work that he made and he called it good. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you how powerful this is. I learned that a lot of people don't know how to affirm how well they've done. Think think about this. He He called what he made good. So a part of rest was stepping back and then looking into it. So that's why I call it that that insulation that I need to look back over the work that I've done and I need to call it good. So I need to recenter my values so that I don't become a workaholic, that I don't become a people pleaser, that I don't show God that I trust him by taking my hands off of the stuff that I work on. And me taking my hands off of it is actually showing him that I trust him with it as well. 
So yes, there are times when I've had to completely walk alone in that journey because most people believe in the grind. Go, 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 go. Do, yeah. do, 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 do. And I just, I get more done from a place of rest than I do from grind. You know, I heard somebody say once, they, you know, th that old saying that it's lonely at the top. But I heard someone give a different perspective of it. They said, okay, yes, that, that is true. It can be depending on what type of leader you are. And this, this, this book that I read, it flipped the script and it is, it, it, it is so amazing how he just totally reinvented that statement. The, the saying again, it's lonely at the top. He said, well, first of all, if it's lonely at the top, that means you've not been a good leader. Because if you are a good leader, there should be others with you at the top. <laughs> and I said, what? I said, whoa. Because I've heard people say it's lonely at the top. I just never heard it put in that perspective from a leadership standpoint. Now, if you're not a great leader, then yes, it would be lonely at the top for the most part. OK, but if you are, there should be others with you once you've achieved that mountaintop experience. What do you think about that, Pastor AJ? Well, I'm still trying to figure out what the top is. Um, <laughs> I know each other's like, hmm. <laughs> if somebody tells me what the top is, then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll have a better explanation for that. Because for me, it just feels like to be lonely at the top means that the, the decision making rests on me. And the backlash for the organization is on me. And oftentimes the praise I have to give away. So I can't say my church is great because of me. That sounds self-serving, right? Mm -hmm. So that means I have to give that praise away. So if somebody says, hey, you're a great leader, then I have to go, well, actually, no, it's other people that help me do what I do. But if there's any backlash in the organization, I have to take that fully. I can't blame. I can't say, well, it's because of him or because of her. So I think that, that that's part of the difficulty of being a leader. But also the best way to describe it is the intellectual loneliness because there are certain journeys that you have to take in your mind as a leader that most people are, aren't willing to go. Um, as to the information I have to take in, as to the way that I have to process it because everything that pretty much comes to me requires a decision. That can be difficult. Most people get the, to sit around and pontificate. I don't get the privilege of pontificating. I have to make decisions. Mm -hmm. The execution piece, you have to really like move quicker because there's right. much more at risk. And I, I guess I, I get what that leader's saying and I think there's value in what they're saying, but I think also mm -hmm. sometimes there there's a reason there's percentages, right? Of people doing certain things because some things just have different level of difficulties. And, and the thing I think about is like, I want to jump out of a plane, mm -hmm. Kay does not. There's probably a percentage of people that would. Oh, jump that's out. right. I'm sorry. She was talking about literally. I thought she was painting a picture. Yeah, ladies. I'm sorry. That whoa. That's right. Uh, uh, audience, please know this woman here. Okay, is longing to jump out of an aeroplane like, and parachute. Okay, K is not. Go ahead. So just like I think about things like that, but then I think about even as you move up to levels and different levels of what you're saying, intellectual growth or financial growth, there's smaller and smaller percentages there because the decisions you have to make are more risky, are more difficult. And I think people often see the benefits, but they don't see the trade-offs or the sacrifices or kind of what has come through that. So I think that journey could be one where you could feel isolated. But it's something I want to go back to. You say you insulate yourself. Yes. Um, because I think it's true. I had to learn the hard way and I still have to work on this. Like, you know, when you grind, 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 eventually you hit the wall. 
there, there's only so much your body could take there's only so much your mind could take and you really aren't as productive as you think you are because you really are just breaking down your body literally physically emotionally um so i like that you said look i insulate myself god rested and look back mm-hmm. and said job well you know i did a good job and we need to reaffirm because that actually helps you to get to the next level right of doing the next thing it helps you to be your biggest group. cheerleader right in other right. words right. we always are our biggest critics many many uh and elizabeth have talked about this um quite a few times uh, over the years um you know i used to take pride and i'm sure the audience there are people out there that do the very same you you take to a certain extent, pride in criticizing yourself. And don't get me wrong, constructive criticism is good. But when that's all that you're doing, that can become a detriment. So when we when we speak of not only affirming yourself, but sitting back, why don't you, you know, sometimes just congratulate yourself for some of the accolades and accomplishments accomplishments that you have made because it's all about balance. You know, it's just like if you continue to be your cheerleader and everything, you could fail to see things that you do need to be critical in, you know. So it, it balances the key. Yeah. That's why the personal development journey is so important because it teaches you how to prioritize those things. Um, that the personal development journey honestly has changed me more than I can even express because I didn't realize how much I had mastered neglect. Uh, and thought that just being a good person was good enough, mm. you know, mm. just being good, you know, being good to people. And what I mean by that, I, I, my angel wings have been clipped. Trust mm. me, they ain't back there. <laughs> well, your angel wings have been clipped. My halo is falling a long time ago. <laughs> I never had a halo. So anyway, on that a note, fake halo, by the I way. Said I, never, I, I, never, I said I never had one. <laughs> I'm not claiming it. No, because we, we actually went to a service uh, this past Sunday, and I think one of the things that was really interesting that the pastor did talk about was that sometimes we think it's enough to be a good person. Like, I'm good. I'm good with God. But, like, it's not about that. We're on this journey. Are you good to other people? Relationships. Are, you, you, have are you good? Relationship? Are you good in your relationships? Are you good at, like, when there's a situation of, of, of where you need to confront a wrong or deal with a wrong or deal with something where you feel you've been wronged or if you've been wronged, you know, acknowledge that that's also part of being good with God as well. And so sometimes that often gets overlooked, but you're not going to avoid my question. I'm going back to relationships and I'm joking with you. I'm joking with you. Oh, I know I look serious. No, I know I look serious. <laughs> I know. So I, I just want to go back. I know we talked about the pandemic and like people um, definitely feeling like I want my life back to what it used to be. We know that's just not what it is. Uh, the pandemic affected people a lot of different ways. I mean, is there like a theme of what you're hearing outside of that, like within relationships that people are struggling with, whether it be, I don't feel connected to this person anymore. I feel different about like where I want to take my life or I want to get married, but I just can't, I still can't seem to click or connect um, with the right person. Or I have a lot of trauma I'm carrying and I just can't seem to let it go. Um, Because I see themes myself like that people post about and talk about and with my clients. And I feel like people are really, when they had this pandemic, one of the things I saw was they really focus, they start kind of developing more self-awareness, like really thinking about like, man, I really want to live my life more intentionally and I'm with this person and they can have great characteristics, but I don't think it's all that I want. And so I think people are really looking at that more holistically. So I was just curious, I'm giving you a hard time. You answered the question fine the first time, but I was just curious, are you seeing any other themes like that or I've, I've heard that um i've seen a lot of people just like i'm not taking it no more either yes so i've seen a lot of people being very decisive about the fact that yo this relationship is over mm-hmm. i've seen that yeah 
uh, I've seen a lot of people like, yeah, we just the the pandemic confirmed we did not know each other. We were existing together, and I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So that I have experienced. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, the pandemic did. A- <laughs> it did. It, it made yeah, people so. more, I think, because when you, I always say the best example is like, you know, if you knew you had six months to live, you would prioritize your life so differently. You would yeah. be like, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to do this. I'm not going to be in this situation because I don't want to be in it. I'm going to focus on enjoying this. I'm going to do this thing. You would become so decisive to every moment that you knew you had to that six month period of when you're going to expire. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and but at the same time we are dying <laughs> and we and, and we yet we still kind of take our lives for granted and I think the pandemic really shook that up because we watched people die we felt afraid that we could die and it just really changed our perception around time and how we were yeah. spending our time so I think that part of it is you know actually a positive to come out of it yeah I agree yeah I have I a fun question to ask you okay okay so I have, uh, this is a, a question. Did you say fun question? Yeah. Well, sort of fun relationship. When did, when did this start? <laughs> no, so, Antoine brings so this, this out of me. Podcast. This is a new, this is, okay, go ahead. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm normally the fun guy, but go ahead. Okay. I don't know how I feel about this. No, I'm kidding. That's not my fun question. Now it's not going to be as fun because he's like hyped it up so much. Turn me off. I was like, you know, jumping out of planes. You're, you know? you're rubbing off on me. You're rubbing off on me. What can I say? We're, we're melding. We're melding. We can't stop. I don't know. I might turn to Kay. He might turn into me. It could happen. So if someone is dating someone and say like everything, they can see them being potential marriage material and everything, but... When they look at this person, they're not their typical type physically. Should that hold them back from moving forward? If everything else is there and the person has great attributes, they can see partnership, they can see, and we talked about, I know you know where I'm going with this, but when they look at them, they're just like... They can't get fat past the physical? They're like, I'm attra- they're like this Cause... person isn't unattractive, but they're just not typically the type of person I would be attracted to. We're going to let the man of God That's kind of a fun question, right? You know, somebody asked me this question not too long ago, and I have a very facetious answer. It depends on how old you are. Okay. Uh, Because, and the reason why I say that is this. Once you get past a certain age point, you already know there's going to be some physical things that start to change. The options start to dwindle. They start to dwindle. And so... (laughs) If you get a little older and you start to realize, yo, my pool is shrinking, then you're going to have to find some way to kind of work that out. <laughs> okay, but so what would be I, your age cutoff for that? Like for a person to be well, thinking I, that way? Is there age you have in mind? I don't think it, I don't know. It, I don't know. I don't know it's, could, yeah, I don't think you could put a definite age on it because if you're already 70, look, I'm sorry, you better take what you can get. Okay, uh, so know. what if you're mid-30s? Oh, mid, that's still prime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're still in your prime. My my thing is simply this also. I want to know his facetious answer too. Go ahead. (laughs) You know, that was my facetious answer as far as how old you are. Because, you know, your your pool gets a little, you know, smaller the older you get. Mm -hmm. But see, because I'm at the point now where I can date your mama and your daughter. See, I'm right there in that pocket. You're right there in that middle. They just go Nelly on us. They're right there in that middle. My pool is all right right now. You're, you're 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 in a you're in quite of a quandary <laughs> because yeah, you do have the benefits pool, of both both sides. That's right, but that pool is gonna shrink here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? In a couple of couple of years, you know, I can't date somebody that my daughter will look at as a sister. True, mm-hmm. true. 
Some well, you saying that now. Some men do. You that. saying that now. <laughs> you saying that now. But if the right, because I remember from our last conversation, you know, you're doing good as as a single dad and so forth. But you know, and I hear what you're saying, man. I do. But I, you know, but truth be told, you know, if the right mature one, who's I don't know, 25, who has you know wisdom beyond measure, you'd be surprised what would appeal to your intellect. That anyone is better than anyone. But you have certain convictions. And I, I say this because there are people in our audience who honestly struggle with that. And they just kind of blend in whenever it's beneficial and really never know the meaning of when you stand truthfully, you know, in faith. Whatever that faith may be in based on your convictions. There's a couple of things that I can think about. Um, I think you have to look at yourself as a seed sower. Okay. And so this is the parable of the sower. He takes seed and he throws it and he spreads it. You know what I'm saying? So being a proficiency sower, I think also knowing that in faith, you have to know the difference between a corporate faith and a private faith. Mm. My, my private faith that I live out ensures that my values, my convictions are what I live by. But that those values and those convictions shouldn't just produce in me moral behaviors. That in me should produce in such fruit of righteousness that somebody would say, I would care to hear what you have to say. Because mm -hmm. your convictions not only just make you behaviorally moral, but it actually makes you a person that is, and I'll use it for a light word, but pure. Like there's a transparency about the way you live your life that will say, man, you're somebody that I respect enough to listen to. Right. And I think many believers don't know how to get the respect of other people to actually get them to want to hear them mm. for change. Mm. Like we suffer with respectability because we think that being overtly spiritual or overtly moral is what we're supposed to be. But when I look at the life of Jesus, I feel like he had a real covert way mm. of being able to be such a relational person and that when people needed change, he just happened to be the person that they would turn to. So I've learned to be that believer, um, not overtly spiritual and, and covert in my language, covert in my dress, covert in my lifestyle, if that makes sense. I live a private, I, I live out a private faith. That's why my values and my convictions are the way they are. I'm going to love you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I'm a man of love. I'm a man of honor. I'm a man of joy. I'm a man of respect. I treat you the way I want to be treated. That's how you see my faith. And that's what oftentimes gets me the audience to be able to speak into certain things because I just have always been in the cut. Right, right. I like what you said because when you think about even Daniel, he represented that as well. You know, he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't out there praying like, look at me, I'm praying. Right. He was just like, look, this is my faith. I believe it. And he lived it. And then even That's the good. people he did That's business good. with, the people that he operated mm -hmm. under the king, the king recognized. He's like, why are you messing with Daniel? Like, mm -hmm. I don't hear anything bad about Daniel. So he, he didn't have to really propagate it or like put it out there because people knew it by the way he carried himself. And as a result, he was able to pull different people together. Um, in privacy. In, in, in private. And you want to know what's also crazy about this? Everybody thinks that Daniel was fasting. Hmm. That was not a fast. Daniel was not fasting. He just says, look, I'm not going to eat the king's meat, Correct. but I'm going to eat the diet of the my diet God of my so that y'all can see the fruitfulness of right. it. Right, mm -hmm. right. See, see, think about this. Right. It was about fruitfulness. Mm -hmm. that I, I'll, I'll better 
live it myself so that you can see that it's fruitful more than trying to get trying to, to force you or trying to force you good point good good point mm -hmm. and, and to piggyback off of elizabeth and that's a great point uh chief what, what she made you know this is why one of the reasons i did pose that question because there is a time when you stand on truth whatever that is truth in your relationship truth in your faith you stand in in privacy because that's that's your moral value it should not change when it's threatened. And let me give you the, the example based on what Elizabeth just said. You know, here it is. Daniel, of course, you know, could, could have been persecuted, which we know he, he was. But the fact that he was still willing to do what his routine was daily, like Elizabeth said, like the scriptures say, not to be seen, but to pray to his native land with the windows wide open. That says a lot about a person, as you said, Antoine, who is going to stand in the privacy of what his or her faith is. And in doing so, like Elizabeth said, when Daniel's life was spared, it drew more. It drew more people, you know? Even when he was eating the diet, that you know, at first they're like, why? And the same thing you said, he said, this is just a healthier, <laughs> yeah. this, this is a healthier way, this is, I'm honoring my God. And then like they saw, they compared and I'm like, wait, he does look healthier. So mm -hmm. this makes sense. And so he was able to pull probably more people into that type of lifestyle. So I just always thought he was such a low key, humble example but someone who did think i don't know if i could jump in a lion's pit and be like okay and he and he admitted he was scared right but like i don't know like how many of us have that much faith so yeah he, he was a good one to admire yeah, that was great yeah mm -hmm. and you know your convictions you know again are your convictions you know what it is that that you feel strongly about and and decide to stand on um, you're going to stand come what may but the 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 the, the, the danger of that is when compromise enters the picture. I, I shared this with Elizabeth when I said, I can talk big talk all day. And that's why I don't talk big talk about what I do if I, because I don't know. I just try to stand and hope that based on my truth, whatever truth I have in me and the convictions that I have, that I will stand, sit, whatever it may be based on that conviction. Because once I allow compromise in, it's just like in a relationship. You allow compromise for, you know, for, you know, couple to couple, that's great. But when you allow allow compromise outside of that relationship based on the truth that both parties have have said they're going to stand on you know you're looking for for disaster because you did not stand on what you 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 had already promised one another and god that you would stand on because you allowed compromise on the outside to enter and disturb that truth yeah but you know a lot of people don't really know we always say what we are against but it's very rare that you know people that know what they stand for you see, most people don't know what they stand for until they have to stand against something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's why I tell, that's why I always say many people don't know what their own internal values are. They don't know how to reinforce their own internal values in such a way that they actually know this is what I'm, this is why I live the way that I live. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you, if that's not clear inside of you, oftentimes what many people will do is they will come off as defensive and they don't realize that's one of the reasons why a lot of Christians don't get the audience with people because it's like, First of all, being right is highly overrated. First, number two, being truth is not information. It's a person. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the, the truth. truth. I am the light. And so any information should lead me to a clear understanding and a revelation of who Jesus is. Right? And so oftentimes we don't know how to articulate that in our faith. And so we just come off as uh, sometimes just religious or zealous when I've learned how to stand 
in regards to my values and how that shows God's love uh, to others. That's how I choose. That's how I live it out. I know it's weird because a lot of people think, you know, well, as a pastor, you know, why don't you speak out about all of the stuff that's going on? Because it don't, it don't concern me. That's mm-hmm. why I'm speaking out about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why I like what you said about that, co- you know, covert operation, yes. you know, uh, as far as the things that you do in your own time, not to be seen, you know, yeah. but simply because it's a conviction or it's just a simple faith that you have, whatever, you know, like I said, whatever that yeah. faith and that discipline, you know, may, uh, may be in. Um, and I know we got to get ready to close, but I want to ask you this one last question. What's been the hardest message you've had to deliver? The hardest message that you knew you were not going to get a, a, a response, a amen, hallelujah, jumping through the chair, but literally where it was quiet because the truth was going forth in a way that you knew you weren't going to get all of the amens and all of the, the, the alleged support. The hardest message that is that gets the most rejection to me is the message of the kingdom of God. Hmm. When you start preaching about the kingdom of God in America, because we only see, um, we see God as democratic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because we see God as democratic. And once you start challenging those ideas, uh, then people really start to shut down. I've seen atmospheres dry up in the room when you start preaching about a God being your father and a king. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That that our faith is about a government, not a religion. Once you start going down that path and start teaching people about spiritual governance and that it's not about your feelings, but it's about principle and about law, you know, and how things actually work. Once you go down that path, people start going, no, I don't want that. I need, I want to feel God. Talk, talk, talk yeah. about the houses and, and, and the five cars yeah. and, and the six-figure yeah. incomes again. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, prophesy all of the stuff that I can get and that I can have <laughs> instead of teaching people their actual spiritual responsibility. Mm-hmm. That they are ambassadors. You know, wow. that we have a responsibility to represent God. We all have been given a ministry, and that is a ministry of reconciliation. And that challenges so many people because our a lot of what we're preaching right now is individualistic. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Which is why we're struggling too. Mm-hmm. That's why we're struggling. It's so individualistic when it's like, no, nah, our faith actually is a communal faith. Right. And you have so many branches, you know, that yeah, I, 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 my heart goes out. And I say this uh, from time to time to Elizabeth. Anybody who's entering the faith, okay, this, this faith as a believer, yes, if you have the foundations, great. But I will. I, I just really hope at some point, and I know it may not ever happen because we have so many different ideologies and mindsets, that even when you get in this particular forum of, of the church, you go here, this particular church believes this way. You go there, they believe that way. And for someone who's entering into this faith newly, I've seen it where they get discouraged. Like, okay, I thought that I was supposed to. Die. Now I'm hearing that I'm not. And so like Elizabeth was saying, the fact that we're so individualized and, and not corporate and together, that too can cause, you know, problems, especially for those entering newly, newly entering the faith. I, I say this and it's a brain twister, but I tell people the reason why moralism isn't the complete standard for godliness is simply this, because I found a place where Satan is more moral. I found one place where Satan actually has morals. You want to know where it is? Of course. Satan does not allow disunity in his kingdom. That's powerful. You got to go back and say that one again. Wow. He, Satan does not allow disunity. Mm. Unity 
is a moral value. Mm. That's a good point. Because so, even when he's, so even when there's things that are being encouraged that aren't, that go against what God has, has told us to do, he creates unity of people doing it. That makes a lot there of you sense. Go. That, yeah. that does. So, Wow. That, so when I start blasting people with that one, they, they start looking at me like, so that's why I tell people morality is not the pinnacle of spirituality. It can't be because if that's the case, then you can call the devil. The devil, the right, right. Wow. The, the truth of the matter hmm. is that's why it is the knowledge of Jesus Christ that it's growing into the measure and the stature and the fullness is what Revelation says. It is the testimony and the clarity in the revelation of who Jesus is. It is to know him. So that intimacy and that relationship and that proximity with the Lord is really what we all should be striving for, not to look like little Christian Martians on earth. Hmm. That was never the goal. <laughs> hmm. It is through our personal relationship with God, it creates a corporate unity where people see, well, how do you know that we are his disciples? He said, by the love we have for one another. And when you say Martians, now I do have to, and this is not a correction, to a certain extent, we are Martians because we just passing through. This, this is not, but, but I, I had to, I had to throw that in there. I had to throw that in there. But you know, but, but you, we get but, but, you, you, but, but, but you're right. And, and honestly, that, that, that was good. Uh, that was good because, you know, when we talk from time to time, I always say that any principle that a person holds onto or values, there are atheists that have certain principles that excel because they're holding on to the principles. So when you made that, you know, parallel with the devil and his morality as far as making sure everything works, you know, cohesively and together, that that was good. And that that goes to show again that even the enemy, the adversary also has certain principles and morals as you stated. He has morals. And so I think that that's why I preach the message of the kingdom of God, because that shows me it's it gives me a clearer way to juxtapose what's really going on in the world and really show us what our focus should really be. Mm -hmm. So I th that's been the diff most difficult message to preach, honestly. That was good. Well, he, he even took us to church. That's okay. We needed that. Um, we knew that was going to happen when you bring And plus, you stopped on. sweating, too. Why did you stop sweating? <laughs> no, I had to sit down for a second because I was moving. You were moving so much. Okay. on 48 degrees, so it's, it's going to be an icebox in here in a minute. <laughs> this for the audience. Audience, before we uh, got on air, you know, uh, Pastor AJ, was, boy, he was sweating because this is, this is a man on the move. And uh, since we've actually been conducting this podcast interview, uh, I've seen the perspiration dry up. I'm like, okay. So look, that's, good. <laughs> I, look that's, that's that skin. I say skin. I call mind your business, drink your water. Uh, skin right there. Drink, mind your business, drink your water. Keep your skin clear. Now, I, I, I was just thinking, God got you. He's like, okay, let me let calm this down. Like, get this message in. Okay? But don't get it twisted. Now the message definitely made it hot in her, Nelly. <laughs> Well, like always, it was great to have you on. Why don't you tell yeah. people a little bit about what you're doing, um, how they can find you? You can find me on all socials at Antoine Jackson, A-N-T-W-A-I-N. On all socials, my website will be redone here mm -hmm. pretty soon, so you'll be able to find me at AntoineJackson.org. 
Or if I'm in a city near you, I'd love to meet you. I promise I'm not bougie. Yeah, yeah. If you come to the North Carolina Down area, we do, we would love to. Well, he's just talking about people, period. Just oh, in general. Oh, people in general. Yeah, oh, I thought he was talking general. about us. Yeah. I thought, well, we, we're I thought we were special. We're people, so that means we're included. Yeah, I mean, don't make it difficult. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. See, I'm being K tonight. What's going on? It's like we're, we're changing bodies. We're rubbing off on each other. We're rubbing off on each other. Iron sharpening iron. There you go. <laughs> well, we appreciate it, man. Strong message. Strong uh, interview yeah. as always. And, um, you know, keep it up. Yep. Honestly, it's needed. Thank you so much. It's needed. So with that, guys, we are going to leave the show. Please go to, uh, check out Antoine Jackson. He is amazing. I promise you, um, if you go read some of his posts, you will be inspired. Um, you may go change your life or something. Um, you can find him on Instagram at Antoine Jackson, A-N-T-W-A-I-N-J-A-C-K-S-O-N. Um, thank you for coming on the show. And just remember, guys, if you want to listen to future episodes of Bad Talks, you can subscribe on the Anchor app, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and also Spotify and many other platforms. We'll be back with more great shows. And thank you again for joining us today, Antoine. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you.